0: Hello, everybody, happy Friday. How's your second week in the new year going? (laughs) Are you still with your resolutions or have you dumped them? (laughs) I'm just kidding. If you're anything like I used to be, (laughs) I actually just have one resolution this year, which I think I've already told you to get off gluten and so far so good. I hope you're doing well with whatever you set your mind to this year, but if not, that's okay too. Truly. I've been there. Okay. So First of all, got to announce episode 25 and I got an email. I am on the charts, y'all. I am on the podcast charts. When I got the email, I was at number 131 in mental health podcasts, which is really exciting actually to even be on the charts because there's a bajillion mental health podcast out there. So yay. And thank you for those of you who left reviews to make that possible. And all of you who listen, speaking of reviews, I'm gonna read one. I got a new review since I last checked and I wanted to share it. Her name is Claire Mila or Mila. And Claire, thank you so much for this review. It's titled Better Than Any Therapist. And Claire says, these tools are useful for every stage of your life, no matter how long ago you had a baby or even if you haven't had one. I am really struggling postpartum and it seemed like no therapist or blog or fellow mom friend, even could help me get out of my negativity. But I found this podcast through Jodie Moore's Instagram, and it was totally the answer to prayers I needed. Instantly, I was writing down notes from every episode until I had pages in my notes app on my phone, and it has helped me so much. Each episode after offers something new and great to the table. Thank you times ten thousand for this. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. Truly. It fills my soul. It fills my cup to hear those reviews from you guys. If you are an avid listener to this podcast, if it's been helping you and you like me at all, and you think we're friends through this podcast, which we probably are. Did you know you can develop relationships with the people whose podcasts you listen to? I have many mentors who don't even know me and I'm like, we're tight. We're so tight. I listen to her podcast all the time. So if you listen a lot and we're friends, why don't you do a nice friendly thing? and go leave me a review with some words, like, you know, like a written one. If you're like me, I never know how to do that. So you can do it. Just Google it, figure it out, (laughs) take a moment. And you know what? When you serve other people, it feels good. So you will feel good afterwards. Okay. Last but not least, before we get into today's episode on simplify your spirituality, which I'm so excited to talk about, I wanted to touch a little bit on loneliness Um, as I promised I would on my Instagram, if you don't follow me on Instagram, by the way, if you just found me on iTunes podcasts, whatever, definitely check out my Instagram. It's at Lizzie Langston, L-I-Z-Z-I-E, no Y, although I I have a sister-in-law that has a L-I-Z-Z-Y. But anyway, if you don't follow me there, I'm on there every day. And one thing I said was all the husbands went back to work, right? After The winter break. And I know a lot of my mamas and my past self for sure, very lonely and dreading all of the aloneness that was awaiting you with your husband going back to work. And so I wanted to just speak to this just for about three minutes, maybe. Okay, so I remember the moment in my motherhood that I realized I was feeling lonely, like loneliness, that I was able to pin that emotion, which I never expected to feel. But when my kids were all little and I had so many little kids and it was just me staying at home and I'm a really social person, I did. I was, at the, I was standing at the top of the stairs and at that time I was pregnant and I had two napping kids as well. And they were down for naps. And so with the napping and everything, what I told myself was that my window to hang with other people was really short. And sometimes frankly, it was just intimidating to take the two little kids being pregnant and get out of the house. But Because I love you and because I've been where you are and I have felt the dread for the days, the long days alone and the loneliness, I want to tell you loneliness happens in your mind. Okay. Some people think that, oh, if I just plan a ton of play dates or if I fill my schedule with people, I won't feel lonely. But listen, and that, that could be true, like totally. Sometimes we change the circumstance and it helps. But Ultimately, you could feel lonely all over again, even with the play dates, if you are still thinking thoughts that make you feel lonely, like these people don't really like me, they're just being nice, right? We do this to ourselves and we spiral ourselves and isolate ourselves into loneliness through the stories we tell ourselves. So I want you to know the opposite of loneliness is not a full schedule. The opposite of loneliness and how you replace loneliness is with purpose, finding something that you have to offer, that you have to give even at these play dates or to the greater world. And I'm talking about outside of motherhood. I'm just talking about service from you as a human being to other human beings. So for those of you who were really in a lot of dread going back, or maybe are still experiencing or missing the holidays because you had your husband around and you were all together as a family, which by the way, like totally fine. That's good. It means You love your husband and you love your family all being together. Very normal but what I want you to think, what can you give outside of motherhood that will give you a sense of purpose in the greater world? All right. That's all I'm going to say, but there are other people that feel left out and this is all they need to, we need purpose. Okay. Not, not necessarily even people just purpose, not to not be lonely. All right. On to our topic for today, simplifying your spiritual life simplifying your spirituality. Okay? Cutting out the noise. I want you to imagine God sitting up on a throne in the heavens and you down on earth. And there's this big long phone with an extension cord, right? And sometimes there's a such thing as spiritual static. Yes? We create it for ourselves and it just sounds like shh, <laughs> like noise. And it makes it hard to hear God's voice on the other end of the line. Yeah. And it makes it hard. Well, he can always hear us, but it makes it hard for us to hear him. And sometimes the effect of that is that it feels like he may not be hearing us. That's how we feel. So where does spiritual noise and static and clutter, right? If we're talking about simplification, where does it come from? So today I'm going to break it into three areas, your thoughts about you is area number one. Area number two is your thoughts about God's thoughts about you. Did you follow that? Your thoughts about what does God think of me basically. Okay. And then area number three, your thoughts about other people's thoughts and judgments about you and your spiritual life and how you're showing up that way. Okay. So when you want to make the connection better. (laughs) If we're going with the phone metaphor between you and God, then really you've got to cut out the noise of other people's thoughts, like your thoughts about other people's thoughts and your thoughts about God's thoughts to an extent for that one. I'll talk about that later, but the purpose of this episode is to help you hear his voice more clearly. We're talking about simplify your spiritual life, your spirituality. Simplifying that means cutting out the clutter. What is in your brain when it comes to your spiritual life that is making it more difficult for you? That in my experience can sometimes demotivate you to read your scriptures or to go to church or to serve in any callings or to your ministering sisters or whatever, I don't, you know, we all belong to different churches, churches, churches. <laughs> some of you belong to the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as I do. And some of you belong to other churches and it doesn't matter. I'm just talking about spirituality. Okay. So whatever it is that you've got going on in your spiritual life today, the purpose of it is to thin down to the essentials. We're going to become like a minimalist. Okay. And it's going to help you live a better life spiritually. It's also going to, for those of you who are postpartum struggling, which is like all of you, hopefully, <laughs> let some randos listen to this. No, I'm just kidding. Hi mom. No, I told my mom, she wanted to listen to my pod- my podcast and I was like, well, it is very postpartum focused. So if you're listening, mom, I'm talking to you too. <laughs> um, but if if you are struggling postpartum, I want you to think, is this a part of your struggles? Is there anything in your struggle right now That has to do with your relationship with God. Maybe it's guilt because you don't feel like praying because you're depressed or you're just totally overwhelmed. Maybe it's a little bit of resentment. Like why would God let me go through something so difficult? I know I've heard that from my clients. They've had traumatic birth experiences or they've had really tricky health problems with babies in the NICU for months and medical bills up to their ears. And they're like, how could God let this happen? Right? And so if that's you, if you can relate with any of that, or if you're just not feeling what I call the spirit, right? Just God's presence with you. If you just can't feel it because you're just in such a negative place, I'm going to address these things in the three categories that I talked about before your thoughts about others, your thoughts about God's thoughts about you, and then your thoughts about you. Okay. So here we go. Okay. First area Point number one, your thoughts about you. Okay. A lot of people think that they're going to solve their weaknesses and become a more spiritual, diligent person, spiritually diligent person by telling themselves and dwelling on all that they're not doing right in the gospel or in their church. Okay. So this, we do this all the time. For example, I had assigned to me in my church two women that I was assigned to go, like we call it ministering, but basically just check in on them. Be a friend, let yourself be seen, you know, let them know you care, be there. It's, you know, if they need any babysitting, like, hey, I would love to watch your kids sometime. If they get sick, maybe checking in, seeing if they need you to pick up some groceries, just really being Christ like and gentle and loving, okay? So I had been asked to do that for two women. And at this time, I was my head was just so in my business. I was really trying to figure out a couple of problems in my business. This was like probably over four or five months ago. And I remember um I just didn't serve them. Like I didn't even text them. I didn't reach out to them for probably a good two months. And I remember over and over I would think about all that I wasn't doing and I'd feel guilty. And then I would start going from just thinking about these two women to, oh, look how I'm not reading my scriptures more. And I would just get into this spin cycle of negativity. And guess how much that motivated me to go serve these sisters, right? None, zero zilch. We think that by focusing, actually, we don't think this, here's what happens is our brain genuinely just is built and programmed to focus on the problem. But there's a way to focus on the problem that gets us out of it. And there's a way to focus on the problem that gets us in it. And unfortunately, left on its default settings, our brain will just focus on the problem until we're blue in the face and we will do nothing to change it. Have you ever noticed that? It takes four times as long to finally get out of that spin cycle of negativity. Whereas if you learn the strategy of cultivating positivity, you can, from a positive place, Get yourself out of it. So let me show you what happened. So because I know that in this example, I noticed after a couple of weeks that that negativity that I was fostering to, or festering, fostering towards myself was doing nothing. It was actually just keeping me more stuck and in, in not wanting to serve anybody because I was thinking I was so terrible at it. Why should I even try? So then I just decided to have some compassion with myself. I always can get out of one of those ruts if I get into some compassion, I can get to a place of creativity if I'm in compassion. And so, I started looking at how much I was doing. I started noticing, okay, in my business, even though my head's in my business and I haven't been ministering to these ladies that live here locally, I've been I've been ministering to people online. And even though they weren't assigned to me into my church, I've been serving a lot. And I started giving myself all these recognition, this recognition of, oh, I have been serving. And little by little, I was able to work myself out of that guilt and into a place of, oh, I'm already serving. And so from that place of, look, I can do service, and I'm actually really good at service, I wanted to then continue the service that I could already see I was doing to people online and moms in this mission that I live and this ministering that I do to then these two ladies in my ward. And honestly, from there, it was super simple. And you know what's crazy is the day I went to go buy some groceries for one of them, because one of them had just had a surgery and she was off her feet. And so I went and got her groceries at the store. I ran into, I bumped into the other one. I was like, Oh my gosh, what are the odds? And so I felt like God like met me halfway as I made that effort to go get groceries and take them to this one girl. I saw the other one and it was so much easier for me to talk to her because I didn't have to call her, show up at her house, text her. I was just able to see her right then and there. So Going back to you now, friend, do you have any shame or guilt in your spiritual life? Is it festering? And I want you to look at my story and my example I just illustrated. Likely your negativity towards yourself in any spiritual areas is actually keeping you from the progress you would love to make. The reason you're being negative is because you have these ideals. You have these high hopes. You want to be this person over here doing these things spiritually. And yet you're focused on what you're not doing. And that's negativity. And negativity breeds negativity. You cannot create positive, creative positivity from negativity. Positivity breeds positivity. Okay. So that's the first thing I wanted to share. Negativity breeds negativity and positivity breeds positivity. Our brain doesn't operate that way. You need to know that from me and then make sure you catch those negative cycles and start with trying to find some compassion that can build some positive emotion to create the change that you want. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. On that note, one of my favorite thoughts ever in the whole world that I found one time when I was working through something. I didn't find it. I just created it. But I love it and I'll share it, which is look how hard you're trying. Any negativity you're in, in any area of your life, you can always go to that thought. Look how hard you're trying. And you can find evidence for that. How hard are you trying? And all of a sudden you realize how monumental your efforts have been, even if you haven't achieved what you want to. And from that place of positivity, it's so much easier to go conquer the world <laughs> or start, start on our list of improvements. All right. This is another point within your thoughts about you, which is that doubts and questions are Okay when it comes to our spiritual life. Okay. That is what faith looks like. Let me say that again. Doubting and questioning is what faith looks like. Sometimes obviously faith is believing in things that are not seen, that are true, but sometimes there are doubts and questions along the way. And so as you focus on perfecting your faith and growing your faith, Don't exclude doubt and questioning completely because sometimes it's the doubts and the questions that lead us to that next level of faith. To give you an example, this last year, I had a crisis of faith. Essentially, it wasn't based on the doctrines that I adhere to in my religion and my church. It wasn't that I am perfectly fabulous with those. I love those and I will believe them always. But for me, it was a thought by the way, which it's it's always a thought (laughs) that produces a feeling that is affecting our faith negatively. So my thought was, I just don't belong here. I don't fit in. I had just started hiring a nanny four days a week. I was working four days a week all day and I loved it. I was thriving. I was so in love with my business. I was healing from my depression and that's where I needed to be. And it was so awesome. And I saw a lot of moms in my, my, church congregation, my ward that don't do that. They're not stay at home moms or sorry. They are stay at home moms. They're not at all working. They don't have an interest in working. They're totally fulfilled and they love staying at home full-time. And that's great. And I used to be that. That was me for the first like five years of my motherhood. But I hit a point with my depression and finding coaching that I realized I needed this purpose and I needed it strongly. I needed a huge sense of purpose to make up for all the time that I lost my sense of purpose inadvertently in my motherhood. So, um, I had this crisis of faith and I remember praying about it and really just being in agony over it because I didn't include questioning and doubt in my perception of what faith could look like. And so not only did I have questions and doubt, but then it was excruciating to have that and not validate it within my own mind, because I thought that's not what faith looks like. And so I must really not belong here. Right. And that even more didn't help. So when it comes to your thoughts about you, remember the thought, when it comes to your thought about your faith, that doubts and questions are okay. That's what faith looks like. Questions and doubts are opportunities for new spiritual growth. And I think in my church, at least through the last few decades, it's just not been something that's been really openly talked about. I don't think it's fun for anybody to be like, hey, I am struggling to believe this main tenant of our faith that everybody in this room claims to believe. It's never comfortable to be like, I actually, I want to believe it, but I have some questions like that's not fun, but the more open we can be with that stuff, the more open others will feel just this last Sunday in my ward, somebody bore their testimony and shared how this person that was sharing their testimony just felt like they really wanted to believe, but they just weren't there yet. And they said that openly. And it was so refreshing because I think every single one of us has this little piece of ourselves that struggles and we haven't even admitted it to ourselves maybe yet, let alone a huge audience. And so for this person to say that, I just thought, wow, everybody in this room now, can have help feeling validated in their own doubts. So thoughts about you. Remember faith and having doubts and questions is okay. And then the third and final point under your thoughts about you that I want to talk about is comparison. Comparison kills creativity. Comparison breeds negativity. And we know that negativity breeds negativity. And so creativity meaning creating new ways to fit prayer in for the day. Cause you have kids climbing all over you, or you slept in and your window of time to yourself is gone. Creativity to think of ways to get out and serve others more. We need creativity. It's an engine in our spiritual life. And when we compare ourselves to people, it kills creativity. Comparison kills creativity. Now, why do we compare? Comparison comes from, again, this place of wanting to continually improve. And so it seems in our brain on its default setting, it seems like a good strategy to look at somebody else's strengths and then look at our weaknesses and compare the two. Somehow our brain thinks that, I'm sorry, I just laugh because it's just so ineffective, but our brain just does it so easily. Somehow our brain thinks, our human underdeveloped, lower developed, whatever, lower brain thinks that this is going to help us somehow be more strong in this area of weakness as we you know, look at how strong this person is, and then we look at how weak we are. But really, you just feel like crap, right? This kills any positive emotion from which you could, as the purpose is of today's podcast, hear God's voice. Really, truly, I want to check back with these points I'm making. The point here is to hear God's voice more clearly. That is definitely how we simplify our spiritual life. So when you are comparing... Or when you are giving yourself a hard time for having doubts and questions in your faith and feeling guilty about that or ashamed of that, is it easier to hear God's voice? When you are in negativity about how you don't serve others more, is that helping you and your connection to God and His voice, or is that static and noise? So, we have to be intentional. If we want a clearer connection to God, we cannot afford to do these things like compare and despair, to give ourselves shame with doubts and questions, right? To get into these negative spin cycles, that is directly kind of n- making our connection with God noisy. So, comparison kills creativity. All right. The second part of this podcast is going to be your thoughts about God's thoughts about you. How are you doing? A little check-in. How are you doing? Do you need to stand up and stretch? <laughs> Maybe you need to just sit down and put your feet up, stop doing the dishes. Maybe you need to pull over and have a moment to just ponder instead of be driving around while you're listening. Whatever you need to do, is this important to you? Is this? Do you, does your spiritual life really need this? And if it is, make sure you take some time to really ponder and kind of riff in your own mind off of what I've said today and what I'm going to be saying. Okay. So part two, your thoughts about God's thoughts about you. Let me just, first of all, give you an example of what I even mean. Cause that's kind of a full sentence. So let's say you yelled at your child and then you are kind of feeling negative about it. You're like, man, I'm so rough with my kids. Then you think about maybe that one scripture that comes to mind, like some scripture about being good to children, or you think about something that was said at church on Sunday. And then you start to, your mind wanders to, what does God think about me? And then you start to get really worried. And you're like, maybe he thinks I'm butchering this whole motherhood thing. Maybe he's like, I should have never given her those babies, right? We start to get into God's mind a little bit and we start to feel really nervous and even anxious. This can be so heavy and it can be so retracting. It can really take us back spiritually. It can hold us back spiritually. This can stop our progress so easy. And when it comes to hearing God's voice, it's harder to hear his actual voice and feel how he really feels about you when you're in your head about what you think he feels about you. Why don't you just ask him? Instead of circling about in your mind, Do you believe God speaks to you? Do you believe He would if you asked Him to? Could you get on your knees tomorrow or tonight and ask Him to help you feel what He feels about you if you're needing His approval? Why do we feel the need to fill in what we don't know, right? We're wondering what He thinks about us by just creating it in our mind. Why would you want to lean on your very imperfect human brain to dictate and create for you this perception of what God thinks of you. Just ask him or alternatively, and, or study in the scriptures, study what he thinks of his children, how he feels about them. What does love really look like? What does charity really look like? What was the message that God's son, Jesus Christ taught? And are you applying that to yourself Are you allowing that to come through? Is that connection to heaven working? Or are you muddying up that connection and creating status static by telling yourself untrue things about what you think maybe God thinks about you? Do you have the right really to tell yourself what God thinks about you? He is the authority on that. That is his business. And if you want to know, then ask him. This is kind of like, I want you to think about, Let's say you have two friends, a friend that is a very old, dear friend. You've known forever. She's like a bestie. And then you've got a friend that is newer. She just moved nearby you. And let's say that your friend that you've had forever knows this new friend pretty well. They actually lived by each other some time ago and they know each other well, but you don't know this new friend very well. So you go to your friend that you've had forever and you say, do you think she likes me? Like we only hung out a couple times, but has she talked to you about me? Do you think she likes me? And your friend is going to be like, I think she does. It's going to be a lot of, I think, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, she said nice things about you. I think she does. It's so unsettling. You can never ever have an answer unless you just ask the new friend, like, are you enjoying our play dates? Like, is this, how, are, do you think we're good friends? Like, do you like me? <laughs> Am I annoying? I, I'm sorry if I'm annoying, <laughs> right? You just got to ask him. And so same thing with heavenly father, with God, you can just ask him to tell you how he feels about you. I really felt like he wanted me to say that today. I was actually going to do a different simplify series episode today, but last minute I kind of changed it because I just was feeling this spiritualness To give you a little bit of background too, this last week was my first week of homeschooling my kids. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm laughing. It's been a whirlwind, you guys. I am stern though. I'm like, I'm made of stern stuff. Like if I decide to do something, I'm in it for the long haul and I have my eye on the prize. And so what got me into homeschooling was this vision of this relationship and this life and this lifestyle I wanted to have in our family. And my, my husband's involvement with my children and their education and all these things. And they're beautiful, fluffy, wonderful things. And I do believe they're going to happen. And then you cross the river of misery, right? To get to that lovely other side, you have to go through the raging waters. And that has been this week y'all and lucky for all of us. I've actually stayed afloat (laughs) and I'm here to tell the tale, but the reason I've been able to stay afloat is because I have simplified things so much when it comes to my spirituality, instead of, I don't know, just consuming more peripheral spiritual stuff, I've just straight stayed straight in the scriptures. I have read the word of God. And instead of praying maybe once in the morning and then possibly in the evening as well, and trying to do that, I have gone to my knees or just prayed in my heart throughout the day multiple times. I have been sharpening and tuning that connection with God because I have felt quite humbled and desperate and in need of his help. And I do feel like he asked me gently and obviously it was with my own consent. I take responsibility for this decision, but he did offer me the opportunity and the idea of homeschooling my children. And so I do believe he's a partner with me in this and I've been with him a lot this last week and I'm a little weary from the hard times, but I'm also refreshed and excited. I met with my homeschool coach today and excited about where I'm going and why I did this in the first place. And so when it comes to spirituality, you got to think about why do you do this in the first place? What prize is your eye on truly? And like, maybe you'll say to me, Oh, living with God again, like eternal life, right? Like being in paradise after I die. Have you taken time to really go there and imagine what that's going to be like so that you feel like, these hard times where you're walking by faith and people are making fun of you because they don't believe in God or whatever. So that all of that is worth it. Have you gone to that place of visualizing the afterlife and what you want this life, even like you're the rest of your life to be like, um, the peace that you can feel because of your faith, like what are the benefits to your faith? I think part of simplifying things is not focusing so much on the little short-term things, like maybe our volunteer position at church or um, comparing us to our neighbors and what they're doing, but really just connecting with the plan that God has in place for you, both in this life and the next. Okay. The third part of this epico- epicode? <laughs> episode is your thoughts about other people's thoughts about you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> This is the area that by far has been the most challenging for me. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just the way that I was raised or my tendencies as a person, my brain, where it goes, probably all of it. But I lead the children, okay, in song for an hour at church. I'm the primary chorister. So the first hour, we're all together, all the families in the sacrament meeting and everything. But then the second hour, I'm in primary, which is the children that are 11. No, yeah, wait, 11 and under. Is that true? Hold on. Maybe 10 and under. Anyway, things have been changing recently in the church. So I'm not sure what the ages are, but when I'm up there, there's a mostly children, but there's about five or six adults in the room as well that are the teachers for the children that are watching me put on this spectacle for the children. It's not a spectacle. I mean, it's spiritual, but I'm the only one up there and I'm teaching the children, but sometimes I really get in my head about these other adults and what they're thinking of me. I think thoughts like they can tell I haven't prepared much and I judge myself for not having prepared much. I think thoughts like they've noticed how much I've been gone, like out of town and not, you know, absent or whatever. And they're judging me for it. Or I think thoughts like they think this is boring. They don't think I'm doing a good job. They think they could do it better, <laughs> right? We get in our head or maybe another example that could be relatable is you, you, just take a long time after the baby's born to go back to church. Maybe you don't even really want to go back to church that much. And you're in church and people maybe have a look they give you or they say something and you take it in a way at, you think that they think that you've been gone for too long. You think that they're wondering about your faith. Like, I don't know, right? All the things we get in our heads about people's thoughts about us, whether we're at church And there's so many benefits to religion, so many, but I think it's so unfortunate that religion is meant to simplify our spiritual life. It's meant to really sharpen and clarify that connection between the heavens and us as individuals. And yet sometimes we use the community aspect of religion and the church setting against ourselves. And it actually creates so much noise. That's what's been happening for me folks. And that's what my big faith crisis last year was, was really not, not the doctrine and not my personal relationship with God. It was this community challenge piece. And it was because of the way I was talking to myself. So if you are in other people's heads about your spiritual life and the way you're showing up and your righteousness, okay, the way you're fulfilling your responsibilities and callings in the congregation This is not the purpose of religion. This is not simplifying your spirituality. I want you to notice how this is adding so much weight to your plate and it's getting in between you and the whole purpose of doing all of this faith thing in the beginning, which is listening and hearing God's voice. I feel so passionately about this because unless you proactively do this, the communication will have barriers. There will be static. Now, you can live a nice pious life with some static, but why not cut that out? What could you do with a clear connection to heaven after simplifying your spirituality through the principles I've taught you today? What do you think you could go out and do in the world or do even in your home and in the motherhood? What temptations or just human frailty could you overcome if you had God's voice very clear for you individually? Now you might doubt that this is possible, but I want to tell you if he can talk to me very openly um through feelings and through ideas, you know that's how his voice comes for me. It's like an idea that's outside of my own and I'm like, "Oh, that's really good." I wasn't even thinking about anything to do with that. Or it'll just be a feeling of peace, right? Or a feeling of um motivation that I just feel like I didn't earn, I didn't really come up with it. It was it's just a gift. So What could you do? What could you receive if you had this connection? What is the static and the unsimplification of your spiritual life costing you? How is this, these thoughts about other people's thoughts getting in the way of your religion, serving you and you serving your religion? For me, it's keeping me from really trusting myself when I'm in front of that group. I'm not sitting there dwelling on the fact, you know, and trusting in the fact that I've been called to do this and nobody else has, that this is what God wants for me and for these children in my congregation is for me to be teaching them. I'm not focused on that when I'm focused on other people's thoughts about me. And I'm not focused on how much God, how much love God feels for me when I'm thinking about all the thoughts that he could be thinking, right? And I'm in his head, like in this fear-based mentality of, Oh, what if he thinks I'm doing a bad job? And when it comes to my thoughts about myself, when I'm dwelling in negativity and I'm giving myself grief for not having done a better job with something in my spiritual life, not being more diligent, not reading as often, not organizing family home evening, whatever it is, I'm not loving myself. And if I'm not loving myself, I can't love other people. I don't, I'm an empty well. So this matters. matters. This matters. And if you are in a low funk with your spirituality and, or your religion and your faith and beliefs, simplify, cut out the noise, use the tools that I've offered today and get back to hearing God's voice. This will help you because if you're in spiritual, or I mean, if you're in postpartum struggle and you're thinking about maybe going to your doctor, you think you might be depressed. You're thinking about hiring someone, you know, a therapist or me as a coach or something like that. And you're just really needing help. Now is a great time to check in on these three areas, your thoughts about you, your thoughts about God's thoughts about you and your thoughts about other people's thoughts. Are you getting in their head? And are you getting in your own head to the extent that you're cutting yourself off from a huge resource who wants to give to you? You guys, our father in heaven wants to give to us. He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us, but you know, what's interesting. I'll share this as a last example. I felt very clearly his voice as I was in a very peaceful place to make this decision to homeschool. And I didn't know what it would look like. And I knew once I started, it would be figuring out a new rhythm. And unfortunately, part of that for me was having a couple of days where I was just so caught in the mix of trying to figure this out and balancing my work with my kids that I really couldn't hear his voice. And so one morning, I got on my knees and I just said, I want you. I want you. I want your voice. I want to hear you. I'm sorry. I haven't been doing it right or whatever. I've been trying to figure this out. And I felt so much love and compassion from him and and honestly towards myself for all the work I was trying to do. But I just said, whatever I need to do, what do I need to do so that I can hear your voice? And in that moment, I was truly like able to envision my day in a way that I couldn't before. And I was still trying to figure it out on my knees in this moment, just as I was the last two days. But I just said, I want to hear your voice, that is my first priority. And so what do I need to change so that I can? Because I want his guidance with my children in teaching them and homeschooling them. And I want his guidance when I'm coaching my clients. And I couldn't feel it when I was doing the way I was doing it. And so I stopped and I said, how can I do this differently so that you can be a part of this? So I can hear you. How can I access that peace and that calm? How can I simplify things? And to me, the answer was I don't flip back and forth between the day coaching people kind of while my kids are playing and then re-engaging with my kids. But then I'm thinking about my clients. No, his revelation or vision to me was you are with the kids in the morning when they're ready to learn morning time. And then in the evening you are doing your business. And actually, as I talked to my homeschool coach, it was really a cool moment. She was able to I told her that and she was like, that's so interesting. That's amazing that you received that because on all the research and all the books that I read, the morning is the best time, especially for those little kids to school them and to teach them. And I was like, oh my gosh, God is working for me. And even in this moment, I just feel so connected to him. I know he is so real. So get out of your head. Stop worrying about, you know, the tittle dees and tittle ha's and all the little thingies that you're like worried about. Stop worrying about their judgments. It doesn't matter. What matters is you and God and His voice. Now, when I mentioned not caring about what He thinks or something, that's not what I'm saying, right? Like, I'm just saying stop projecting your own insecurities and pretending that maybe God shares those and He's judging you too. No. I don't know everything about God, but I know that He is perfect. And your judgments of yourself have no place in your mind to be God's judgments of yourself because you are so much more frail than he is. And he can handle all your weakness and he doesn't think about your weakness the same way you do. He doesn't get discouraged like you do. So just know if you're in a, in a space with your thoughts about God's thoughts about you, where you are discouraged or scared that he might think this or that, And it's keeping you from being able to rise and be the person you want to be in his eyes. Just know that that's not true. That's probably just the adversary, if you want to call it that, or just your human brain getting in the way. And so again, I gave you permission to sort out just like you would in a space in your home, right? Like when I was talking about simplify your marriage, it's all off of this physical concept of simplifying your home, just as you would in your home where you would go through what's in the room and categorize and get rid of stuff and keep some stuff. I want you to do that. Take a spiritual inventory today. So that's my invitation to you. I hope this podcast helps. I hope these tools help. And remember the ultimate goal is to hear God's voice, because if you can hear that, he can guide you. He can tell you what's true and what's not true. You know, if you're not in love with your church and you're trying to find one, he can reveal that to you. I know I've, I've had a lot of friends, just young mom friends who are trying to sort out the fact that they don't love the church they're in, but they've been in it for a long time in their whole lives, but they're wanting something different for their kids. And they're trying to find the right thing. If you simplify your spirituality and you can hear God's voice and you can get to a place where you really feel like he's involved in your day and he's guiding you, eventually he will lead you to his church. He will lead you to where he wants you to be. Okay. So the number one idea here is to simplify Get that connection strong so you can hear his voice. I hope these tools help you do that. I love you guys, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Hey, Lizzie here. If you've been struggling and you're ready for more help, I want to invite you to book a consult with me. I offer free hour-long consults where we go over what's not working, your vision for the future of your motherhood, and how I would help you given my tools and expertise. To schedule your free consult, visit my booking page at go.oncehub.com forward slash Lizzie Langston. I fully believe that you can get to where you want to go. I'll see you on the console.